Hey, and welcome to this podcast by Chestnut Mountain Church, located in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where our mission is to saturate the world by making disciples. We invite you to check out our website at chestnutmountain.org and follow us on social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chestnutmtn underscore to learn more about who we are. There are also video episodes located on our YouTube channel, along with other content not on this podcast. This episode features a sermon replay from Sunday's message. Let's take a listen. Today we're going to be closing out our last week of our Growing Smaller series. And I want to start out by just kind of painting a picture um, for this morning. Have you ever driven by a job site of a new home? And you look at the job site and you think, what a mess. What a mess. There's a hole dug in the ground. There's maybe some, some lumber that's piled up. Maybe there's some, some plumbing pipes that are kind of put together. Maybe there's electrical wire. But you drive by it and you look at it and you go, there is absolutely no way that that job site will ever amount to anything. It looks like Home Depot just threw up in a vacant lot. And you think there's no way, there's no way that anything will ever come out of that mess. But you know, the truth is, is if you look at every little aspect of every little intricacy that is on that job site in that moment, that everything on that job site has a role in the finished product. Everything on that job site is going to serve a purpose. Everything on that job site is there for a reason. But there's three things that I want you to just even start thinking about as you drive by and look at these job sites. And you'll hear all the parallels in just a moment. But there's three things about all that stuff that you see on that job site. Number one is it's all gonna be used. It's all going to be used. Number two, everything on that job site has a role. But thirdly, everything on that job site has been purchased by the owner. Everything on that job site has been purchased by the owner. And so with that being said, this example of a job site is essentially what I want us to think about this morning. That's what God's doing here. That job site is exactly what God is doing in this place. We've been talking over the last several weeks. Our prayer has been, number one, that you feel that you belong. Yes, we number one, first, most important thing is that you belong to God. But along with that, we want every person that comes on this campus to feel like they can belong to this family, to what God is doing here. But as you belong, you know, as you become a part of something, you're gonna be surrounded by by people. And that's what we looked at last week. You're gonna be surrounded by people that are gonna help you in this journey because remember, we're not created to do this Christian thing alone. We need each other. But as you grow together, as you are surrounded by people, that is the beginning processes of of God molding and shaping you and, and you becoming a mature disciple of Christ. So we belong, we become a mature disciple of Christ. But what we're gonna look at today is What's next? What is next? Well, as we mature as disciples of Christ, what God is preparing for us is to build his kingdom here on earth. That's what he's preparing for all of us to do. 
He's preparing us to build this kingdom. But the bottom line is this. God has purchased you with the blood of his precious son. And he's placed you on the job site to be used. He's placed you on the job site to be used. And so what we're gonna do today is we're gonna focus on the power of the Holy Spirit being the foreman, giving you specific instructions, molding you and shaping you into how you can be used to build the kingdom of God. And I know there's a lot of you in this room, you're going, there's no way God can use me. Just wait. Just wait with what we're gonna share tomorrow, today. And I promise you, you will see that God wants to use you. That every person in this room, you have a position, you have a job, and you have a responsibility as a follower of Christ. God didn't save you just to place you on a job site. God saved you because he wants to use you to build his kingdom. And so I don't know what God's been doing to me lately, but we're going back to the Old Testament today. So I want you to turn to 1 Kings chapter five. 1 Kings chapter five. And just so you'll be knowing where we're going next is we're gonna get back to doing what we do a lot around here. We're gonna, for the next, I don't know how long, I'm not even gonna put a time frame on it, but we're gonna start next Sunday in the book of First Thessalonians. And so I want you just to be reading this week so that you can be familiar. And we're just gonna walk through that book and then go through Second Thessalonians as a church. Um, and so I just give you a heads up of where we're going. But in First Kings chapter five, what we're gonna see here is, is what the process looks like. The process of us being shaped and molded into being used to build up the kingdom. So to this point, we've seen that King David has, has given the vision. This is, they're getting ready to rebuild the temple. And so as they're getting ready to build the temple, King David has told his, king, his son, Solomon, he's basically given him the blueprint. And he said, here's all the instructions. Here's what it's supposed to look like. And so in 1 Kings chapter five, verse five, we read that, that the responsibility has been passed from King David to Solomon. Verse five, or chapter five, verse five, it says, behold, I intend to build a house for the name of the Lord, my God. As the Lord spoke to David, my father saying, your son, whom I will set on your throne in your place, he will build the house on my name. So we see that the baton has been passed. The responsibility has gone from David, passed down to his son Solomon. And so that's what we're gonna be looking at is, is how what this passage is gonna see, what you're gonna see as we begin to walk through this is this is the foreshadowing of the building of the kingdom of God in the New Testament. And so we're gonna see the building of the temple as a representation of the foreshadowing of, of, the, of the kingdom of God being built on the foundation of Jesus Christ in the New Testament, you're gonna be blown away by these parallels that, that, that how we're seeing all of this come to fruition and how we're even seeing it played out right now and how God's gonna use us. But today we're gonna really, really focus on the process. And I wish I could tell you that today was one of those uplifting messages where you're gonna leave out of here going, yeah, I got this. No, this is probably one of the most convicting messages that God has ever opened me to. And you're gonna see that we've got a long way to go and that God's gonna stay faithful and he's gonna keep shaping and he's gonna keep molding us. 
But I want you to read with me in chapter five, verse 17. And this is where we're gonna be just in chapters, or verse 17 and 18 today. The king, and it's talking about Solomon, commanded that they quarried the great stones, the costly stones, to lay the foundation of the house with cut stones. So remember, Solomon's been given the blueprint. He knows all of the supplies that are needed. He knows all of the materials that are gonna have to be used to accomplish this work to build the temple. And so what we read here is, is, is he's beginning to challenge all the builders that are involved to go and to gather all of the resources. They're supposed to go get all of the materials that are gonna be needed. This is basically their trip to Home Depot. Okay, they're going to get what they need. And how many of you have ever done what you needed to do in one trip to Home Depot? I hate it, despise it, because you never make more or less than five trips, or maybe that's just me. But Solomon knew all of the supplies, and so they're going to gather all of these things. And that's what we see is Solomon commanded them to go and to quarry, to quarry these great stones. They were called great stones because of their size. This is not a bunch of men to go out with baskets and pick up little rocks and little pebbles to stick in their pockets to go back and to build this temple. These are great stones. They are massive in size. And so when they're being instructed to go and quarry the stones, they're being sent out into the hill country to go into these deep, dark crevices of these mountains and to pull out these large, large stones to be used to build the temple. And so to quarry something out, it literally means to be pulled out, to be pulled up, and to be set up. That's what it meant to quarry these, these great stones. And so they were sent out to the hillside to retrieve them, to bring them back to, you guessed it, the job site. To bring them back to where they were gonna begin to build the temple. And so the, the parallel we see here is if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are that great stone. Praise be unto God. He sent the Holy Spirit into the darkest places of this world. He sent the Holy Spirit of God into the darkest cracks and crevices of our world. And he pulled you out. He pulled you out of those dark places. He pulled you out into the cracks and the crevices. And just truthfully, a lot of you are saying, you know, I never thought God could even find me in the darkness. I was so far away from God. I was so deep into the cracks. I was so deep into the darkness. I thought there was no way that God would ever find me. We could go and give testimony after testimony of where you were when the Holy Spirit found you. And I can promise you this, when he found you, you were probably in dark places. And that's the parallel we see here is that, that God had, the king had sent out his workers, had sent out the workers to go and to retrieve these great stones, the great stones that were gonna be used to build the temple of God. You see the parallel? Is that the Holy Spirit of God came and rescued you out of the darkness so that you could be used to build the kingdom of God. I don't know about you, but that's very humbling to me. But you know what's even more humbling than that? It's not only did he refer to them as costly stones, or, or great stones, I just gave the punchline away, it. <laughs> but he referred to them as costly stones. 
When you look at the word costly, it meant that they were valuable. They were his prized possession. They were precious to him. And they were valuable to him. So as Kelsey shared just a moment ago, I don't know where you're at this morning. You may not know Jesus. You may not have a relationship with Jesus and you may be in the darkest place you've ever been. You may be so buried in sin that you think there is no way that the Holy Spirit of God can rescue me. There's no way that God even knows where I'm at because of the way that I'm living, because of the things I'm doing. Can I tell you right now, you are not just a great stone, but you are costly stone to the King of all kings and to the Lord of all lords. You are costly, you are precious to him. You have such value to him. So much value that he sent his son to die for you. But even in the condition you are in, you're raw material, but you are still costly to the father. You're still costly to the king. You are his prized possession. You are precious to him. You are valuable to him. So it doesn't matter how deep you are this morning. It doesn't matter where you're at today. But what I wanna encourage you with is that you're never in such a dark place that the Holy Spirit of God can't rescue you and he can't pull you out. Because you're costly to the Father. You are loved even in your current condition. You say, well, I don't have to earn God's love. No, it was earned on the cross. So I don't have to work to make God love me. No, God loves you right where you're at. He loves you in your current condition. And that's the very reason that he set his son on a rescue mission. And so as we see the, the builders going to quarry these stones, this is the picture of salvation. This is the picture of salvation. This is Jesus pulling people out of the darkness and sending us on him, the light, and placing us in his lap. This is what Jesus was sent for. This is why the Holy Spirit is now activated to come after you, to come after me. But we talk about this, this, the stones. I want you to flip to First, to first Peter chapter two. First Peter chapter two. And I know some of you, you're hearing my voice and you're going, man, that dude's sick. I cut grass all day yesterday and I got talking to my wife last night. I said, you've been praying harder than me. I said, I'm losing my voice. And so I was all like this last night um, because I was working outside all day yesterday. I feel fine, nothing's wrong, I promise. So we'll just go ahead and that's the elephant in the room because y'all gonna avoid me like the plague after church, ain't you? I know, I'm still gonna hug your neck. But 1 Peter chapter two, verse four and five, it says, in coming to him as to a living stone. Now keep in mind, that's singular, that's one stone. He is the living stone, which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. Does that sound familiar? That the son of God is precious to the heavenly father. The son of God is precious to the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords, but keep going, you also. That's you, that's me. You also, 
as living stones. There's the plurality. There's the the multiplication process. Are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. What I want you to picture here is what I want you to think about is as we see in 1 Peter, we see it talked about the the living stone. The living stone is precious in God's sight. But even as believers, when we trust in Jesus Christ and we are placed on that living stone, we too then now are living stones, which guess what? We too are precious in his sight. So not only is the son of God precious in God's sight, but because of our faith in him, we too are now precious in the sight of the father. And we see our purpose. Our purpose is to be used to be built up, to build the kingdom of God to do what God has called us to do, to be a part of the building process. So not only did God desire to pull us out of darkness, to purchase us with his son's blood, but as we said a moment ago, he's placed us on the job site to get to work. And so because you've been saved by God's grace, I want you to know you've been rescued, you've been placed on the job site, but as we said a moment ago, As you're placed on the job site, the job site is much bigger than you just sitting there. The job site is much bigger than you just being this raw material, this raw resource that's gonna stay all bundled up because you're gonna serve no purpose. God did not save us for us just to rot on the job site. That's not why God saved us. He saved us so that we could be used to build up the kingdom. And so we love to celebrate that salvation. We love the fact that we're on the, we're on the job site, that God has counted us worthy to be a part of building up of his kingdom. But I wish I could say that it stopped there. But it doesn't stop there. The rest of it is not all that much fun. The rest of it is the preparation process of the raw material to be used on the job site there is still a preparation process for all of us. And so I want you to flip back to 1 Kings chapter five. That's the last time we're flipping. 1 Kings chapter five. I want us to look at the transformation process of these raw materials that they were bringing back to use to build the temple. 1 Kings chapter five, verse 18. So Solomon's builders and Hiram's builders and the Jebulites cut them and they prepared the timbers and the stones to build the house. Now I know we've been talking a lot about stones and we see that timbers are introduced here, but these timbers were also collected for the very same purpose in the building up of the temple. These would be called the cedars of Lebanon. They were very valuable. They were very valuable simply because of their aroma because they were beautiful, but yet they, they smelled good. They brought a, a beautiful smell into the temple. And so the, these timbers would be used to, to build the columns, to build the beams, to build the roof. But they were, again, just like the stones. They were all brought to the job site to serve a purpose in building up of the, te- of the temple. So all the raw materials were collected. 
All the raw materials were brought to be put to work. But now you read there that they had to be cut and that the timbers and the stones had to be prepared. And so what we're gonna begin to see is if you researched it and looked into the process, the timbers first and foremost had to be cut off the hillside and drugged back to the job site. But obviously in their current condition, they, they, they weren't very usable. They had limbs, they had bark, they had broken limbs, they had long limbs, they had short limbs. And so what the builders began to do was that they had to shave everything off of the timbers. They had to shave all of the bark. They had to, to cut all the limbs. They had to cut them to the right length. They had to prepare them to be used for whatever column they were gonna be, for whatever truss they were gonna be, for whatever part of the roof they were gonna be. But the builder's responsibility was to cut away everything that was not needed. For everything that was not needed, the builder's responsibility was to cut that away, to get rid of it. And that's exactly what we see is happening. That's exactly what we're reading that, that was gonna happen, happen to the stones. Because remember, it said that the stones were great. They were large in size. But if you've ever gone and picked up a, a rock that's just in your driveway, you've gone and picked up the rock on the side of a mountain, you can tell that, that it's, it's got a bunch of sharp edges. It's got a bunch of cracks. It's got a bunch of crevices. And so those stones were not yet ready to be used for the temple. There was a lot of work. There was a lot of preparation that was still in front of those great stones. And so we see that this preparation process, the preparation sometimes is not a lot of fun. The preparation a lot of times is is difficult. And so if you've been saved by the grace of God, can I tell you right now, you are still in the preparation process. If you've been saved by the grace of God, you were quarried from the mountainside, you were rescued from the darkness, you were pulled out of the cracks and the crevices of this world, and you were set upon Jesus Christ, the solid foundation. Can I tell you, you are still not a finished product? There's still a lot of sharp edges. There's still a lot of cracks. There's still a lot of squared off corners. But what these builders had to begin to do, I mean, you can even just talk about the instruments they used and you can tell this is not gonna be a very fun process. Obviously they used axes to chop the trees down. They used axes to delimb the trees. But then they also used chisels to break apart everything that was not needed of the stones. And one of the words that I read, it talked about, it said, this, this just sounds mean. They use tools made of iron. I don't know about you, but a tool made of iron on me is not gonna be very fun. And so we see that all of this preparation process, all of the stones, all of the timbers, there was gonna be a lot of things that had to be cut away. There was gonna be a lot of things that had to be done away with in order to be used to build the temple. The stones had rough edges. They need to be rounded off. They had corners 
that needed to be broken off. They had cracks inside these rocks that they would literally have to chisel down all the way to the level of the crack and do everything away. Everything above the crack had to be done away with because it was the only way it could be made smooth. It was the only way that it could be made round so that it could be used to build the temple. And so the builder's responsibility was to do away with all of the dead weight A lot of the scholars believe that when a great stone was brought, that by the time they finished cutting it, by the time they finished chiseling it down, some scholars believe that there was only about 40% of the rock left, that 60% of it had been done away with. 60% of it was not able to be used to build the temple of God. So 60% of it had to be broken off, had to be rounded off, had to be quarried out and just torn apart because it was not ready to be used. And so we see that in these timbers and in these rocks, there's so much that was not fit for the temple. There was so much that was not needed for the temple. And this is the part of the shaping and the molding so that it could be used to build the temple. Now you don't have to be a rocket science to figure out the parallel here. Do you want God to use you? If you've been saved by his grace, you've been placed on the job site, but do you want God to use you? Because if you want God to use you, you gotta be ready for the preparation process. You gotta ask the Holy Spirit of God, God, what in my life is not fit for your kingdom? God, what in my life is not fit to be used to build your kingdom? What in my life is causing confusion? What in my life is causing people to not look at you, but to look away from you? What things in my life are not fit to be used to build your kingdom? And I can tell you, if you will be honest and you will be sincere and you will ask the Holy Spirit of God, what in your life is not bringing glory to his name? He will tell you, he will show you. But are you gonna allow him to chisel it away? Are you gonna allow him to remove what's not needed to build the kingdom of God? Because if we're anything like these rocks, some of us may need 60% done away with. Some of us may need 80% done away with. Some of you super spiritual, you may only need like 20. I'm gonna start hanging out with you. I wanna be in your group. Because I don't know, for me, every day of my life, I see all of the things in me that have still gotta be chiseled away. And I really don't know how much left. I mean, see, I used to be like 6'6". Six, six. <laughs> see, he'd been chiseling for years. So it may look more like this by the time the Lord calls me home. Maybe two and a half feet tall, I don't know. So you can see he's been chiseling for a long time in my life. And can I tell you that when God chisels, it's not fun.
But when God chisels, what we've got to begin to do as his children is to recognize that that is conviction. That's conviction. And as a follower of Christ, we have got to get back to the place where we're thankful for conviction. There's a big difference in conviction and condemnation. The heavenly father's not looking down at you and he's mad at you and he's angry at you because of all that needs to be chipped away. But he's the Holy Spirit of God is convicting you because he loves you enough because he wants to use you to build his kingdom. But he's saying, look, there's no room for that. But I'm not gonna condemn you. I'm gonna love you enough to tell you that I can't use it. But are you gonna let me chip it away? Are you gonna let me chisel away what is not fit for my kingdom? And church, this is the sanctification process for the believer. Sanctification is holiness. To sanctify is to be be made holy. So we're being sanctified as his children right now. We are being made holy right now. We're never gonna achieve holiness while we're here on this earth, but praise be unto God, we don't have to because we're declared holy because the son of Jesus Christ has been applied. But thank God that the Holy Spirit's gonna continue to reveal the things that keep us from being holy. And as the Holy Spirit reveals those things, the question is, How are you gonna respond? How are you going to respond? Are you gonna give it to him? Are you gonna say that one's off limits? Are you gonna give him the freedom to to do surgery on your life? If you want to be used for the kingdom of God, we've got to continue to let the Holy Spirit of God cut us away. Some of you are here this morning and you need to crawl up on the surgical table of God and say, God, go to work. Go to work. Because God, I know there's areas in my life that you can't use. I know there's areas of my life that aren't fit for your kingdom. And I can tell you right now from experience, as the Holy Spirit begins to reveal those things, you're gonna feel ashamed, but you're also gonna have an internal struggle to give those things up. You're gonna have a struggle to let them go and that's why it's painful. You know, I'm a very simple-minded guy. And, and I'm, a, I'm a visual learner. If you can show me something, I'm usually gonna remember it. You can say a lot to me and I don't really retain it. it and so I'm hoping y'all are kind of like me. I've got the cheesiest analogy that you will ever see, but I can promise you, you're gonna remember it. This is my friend. 
that you know, I should have given him a name. Anybody got any name suggestions? Wesley, give me one. Did I hear Brian? Huh? Somebody said Brian. I'm like, God, okay. Well, I'll let y'all, yeah, anyway. But you know, maybe you've crawled up on the surgical table of the Holy Spirit of God and said, God, go to work. God, I need you to remove in my life what's not fit for your kingdom. And so the Holy Spirit of God with, with love, with tenderness, with grace as a loving father, he begins to reveal those things. And the question is, what are those things? Maybe it's an unhealthy relationship. And all of a sudden as the God of our salvation begins to get close to the things that we hold dear to us, that all of a sudden we sound the alarm. Nah, I'm not ready. Maybe for men, you need to suck up your pride and just say, I'm sorry. And the Holy Spirit's letting you know that today. And all of a sudden you're going, God, do work on me, do work on me. Ah, but I'm not ready to do that one yet. That one's off limits. Maybe there's some addiction And the Holy Spirit of God is saying, look, the only way you're gonna get over that is addiction is to cut it away. Turn the computer off. Don't get on the computer when nobody's home and all of a sudden you're going, ah, ah, but ah, that one's off limits. Nobody knows about that one, God. But how many times does the heavenly father willingly wanna do surgery on us? But every time he gets close to something that's sensitive, every time he gets close to an area that we just enjoy, that we don't want him to touch, all of a sudden we go, no, God, you can't touch that one. I'm not ready to give that one up yet. Can I tell you, church, to be groomed and to be shaped and to be molded is not gonna be fun. It's gonna be hard. It's gonna be difficult but it's gonna require you to allow the Holy Spirit of God to have his way in your life. But how many of us in this room right now would say, God, please cut away what is not fit for your kingdom. It's gonna be tough. But can I tell you that God wants to use it, he wants to use you. And here's the beautiful part of it. The very thing that he cuts away may be the part of your story that he wants to use. We sang about chains falling. Do you realize that those chains that have fell could be the very testimony that God has placed in your life to use? God is the only one that can turn ashes into beauty. You can look back in your life at some of the biggest failures 
That may be the very course that God wants to use to show redemption. But the question is, is when God reveals those to us, will you sound the alarm? Because there's so many of us this morning that we just need to crawl up on the table and we just need to be still. We just need to be still and listen to the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. Quit moving around, quit protecting it. But you know the reason that we invite him in? Do you know the reason that we invite him to do this surgery? It's because he loved us enough to quarry us out of the darkness. That's the very reason we invite him because remember, we're not just some big stone, we're a costly stone. We are precious in the sight of the Father. We are a value to him. He loves us. And the Father wants to cut away what's not being used because he loves you, not because he's mad at you. Church, that's what I wanna invite us to do this morning. Do you wanna be used? Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you made a decision or if you have any questions about salvation or anything about this Christian journey, one of our pastors would love to connect with you. So to connect and find out what your next steps are, go to our website at chestnutmountain.org slash next steps, and there will be a form for you to fill out so one of our pastors can connect with you. We also want you to do three things right now. Number one, leave a review on this podcast. Tell us what you think. And also, a review allows us to reach even more people. Number two, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode during the week. And number three, we want you to go check out our Chestnut Mountain Church YouTube channel. So maybe there's some visuals in this episode that you couldn't see but wanted to see. And that's why we have video versions of these episodes along with other content not featured on this podcast right now on our YouTube channel. Lastly, we invite you to join us live for worship on Sunday mornings in person at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or online at 1045 as well. Learn more about us on our website at chestnutmountain.org. And don't forget to follow us on social at chestnutmtn underscore for more encouragement and to see all what God is doing in and through CMC. We love you. We're praying for you. And we'll see you next time.